Well, thank you for joining us today on Tetelestai. You know, yesterday I did a long podcast on the situation in Israel. Why Israel? Why now? And, you know, I, over the last oh, week or so, obviously I've started the Torah portions again and reading through the book of Genesis. And I came to a passage in Genesis 6 that got my attention and caused me to just pause and begin to ponder and think and meditate and reflect on principles and patterns that we find in the scripture as it relates to violence and judgment in the earth or in a nation. You know, in Genesis 6, um, we have a statement made there in verse Let's see, Genesis 6, 12. God saw the earth, and behold, it was ruined, because all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. But in verse 11, it says, The earth was ruined before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Wickedness was prevailing, but there was this, it was a unique kind of wickedness. It was a wickedness that brought with it violence. It brought with it war. It brought death with it uh, and destruction in its wake. The kind of wickedness was a wickedness that ripped people's lives apart, destroyed them, shattered them, shattered families, shattered cities, shattered nations. And it was widespread it was a bloodthirsty kind of wickedness. Murder, rape, adultery, all the vile, most vile things you can imagine were at a height that were unprecedented up until that time in the history of the world. Now, many believe that this cycle of wickedness started at the beginning of Genesis 6 with the introduction of the sons of God who came into the daughters of men, the fallen angels who intermingled with women, and they produced that race known as the Nephilim. Now, obviously, to get some more information on this, there is there, ha, there are extra biblical sources, primarily the first book of Enoch, which Jesus, which the disciples, and Peter, Jude, who writes and, and, and actually quotes from the book of Enoch, uh, we're familiar with, but we get some insight as to the result of these angelic beings cohabiting with women and the Nephilim being produced. And the Nephilim and the angels, the angels begin to teach men the art of war. They begin to teach them all kinds of, of skills and impart to them knowledge that was really destructive with a fallen heart. And the Nephilim, as they began to perpetuate, there began to be a lot of violence in the earth, a lot of violence among them. I mean, cannibalism, all of those things. We find this in the book of First Enoch. <coughs> Excuse me. So, and this period of time was probably around 400 years or so prior to the flood. So you had a, a time period of several hundred years where violence is spiraling out of control. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And then God intervenes and says, look, the earth is ruined before me and I'm going to judge it. I'm going to wipe 
it out. The end of all flesh, he said, is coming before me, and the earth is filled with violence because of them. And God brought judgment. When you look in scripture, there seems to be a saturation point when it comes to violence. In a culture or in a nation, uh, or even globally, to where God allows it. He he long-suffering and long-suffering and patiently gives people, nations, time to repent. But when they harden their hearts and they refuse and choose the way of violence, ultimately there's a saturation point where God says, okay, enough's enough. I am giving you over to the consequences of your actions. I am going to bring judgment. I am going to allow judgment to fall upon you. It's interesting. Later on in the book of Genesis, when you come to chapter 15, and there is a conversation going on. God is telling Abraham about what he's going to do. And he makes an interesting statement in the 16th verse of chapter 15. He talks about the Jews coming back to the land. And he says, then in the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete or literally it's the cup is not yet full. They still have uh, some time in fourth Four generations from then, when the people came back, that's when the Amorites will be judged. They were piling up and storing up wrath against themselves. It's like rat the water behind a dam, you know, building up, building up, building up, building up. And then ultimately, in that fourth generation, God was basically saying that when that comes, that dam's going to break and judgment because of their iniquity is going to fall. But in between now and then, they have space to repent. They have space to turn away from their sin. They have space to walk away and turn to me, turn to righteousness. But obviously, of course, we know God knew what they were going to do and they refused to do so. And ultimately, the judgment of God fell upon them. Sodom and Gomorrah was the same way. There was a saturation point of wickedness, which was the result of their pride and greed and uh, their prosperity and their self-centeredness and no interest in other people, which led to immorality and idolatry and all of those things. And we know that from Ezekiel chapter 16 and their judgment came. As I was talking about yesterday, when it comes to the return of the Messiah, one of the things that we find is that the earth is once again in a state of being full of violence. There's a saturation point. It has reached God has been long-suffering. He has been patient. He has given men time to repent. Even when they start to see the judgments of God falling in various ways, and, 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 and it's clear that it is God, the Scripture makes it very clear that they still harden their hearts and they refuse to repent. And judgment falls, and it is horrific. Well, when Jesus described the conditions of the world prior to his return, and Paul describes it as well, and Peter describes it, and John describes it, and Jude describes it, it's obvious that the world globally has once again 
reached a saturation point of wickedness and the manifestation of that wickedness is in violence, wars, destruction, ruin. It's leading to the ruin of the world. Can you not see that globally right now? I mean, obviously, I know history goes through cycles and there are periods of time where this we, we, we've seen this happen in areas of the world. But on a global scale like it is right now, I don't think history has ever seen that except one other time for sure. And that was right before the flood of Noah. All of this that's happening in the Middle East it is a cycle of violence. And violence begets violence and wickedness and perversion. And again, our, our own nation in America is saturated. It is saturated. We are like the Amorites. And God has been long-suffering. He has been patient with us. And yet, as a nation, we have refused to repent we, many times as believers, are looking for a political candidate to be our salvation. If we can just get so-and-so back in office, everything will be all right. No, it will not. Our hope and our salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only hope we have as a nation is for us to collectively do what Nineveh did when Jonah showed up. Throw sackcloth and ashes upon our head. Confess our sin. Repent of it. And turn to him for mercy and grace. He is more than willing to extend it to us. He is more than willing to, to, to heal, to forgive. That is his desire beyond anything in this world. He certainly does not want to have to lift his hand of restraint and allow the flood of judgment that's built up behind the dam of our iniquities burst forth upon us. He is always more willing to forgive than he is for that to allow that to happen. Think about that. As you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as you pray for the nations involved over there for healing, for reconciliation, for peace to come, one thing you definitely need to be praying against is the violence and the wickedness that's associated with that violence. Uh, and, and pray that God would be long-suffering and grant repentance to the nations. That is our only hope. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will grant grace and peace to you, that he will fill your heart with an awareness of his love and his presence with you, and that you will make it your goal to live a life that brings glory and pleasure to him. Lord willing, we will be with you again tomorrow.